welcome back to another episode of Med Nation. Today we have a special guest, Dr. David Lanier, who is also my husband. Before we start our discussion on COVID-19 in the ER, let me introduce David. David is an ER physician. He is a partner in EPAS, a group of physicians at Sumner Regional Medical Center in Gallatin, Tennessee. He attended UNC Chapel Hill for undergrad and medical school. He finished residency training in emergency medicine at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. David volunteered with Doctors Without Borders for over a year on the border of Burma and Thailand. He later was deployed by MSF as part of emergency response to Pakistan to the 2005 Kashmir earthquake that killed over 80,000 people. Yeah, that's quite an impressive background, David. So today the topic basically we're going to go over is COVID-19 and, and your perception of it as an ER physician. So can you tell us in the life in the ER, how is it different from pre-COVID-19 before the vaccine and now? Uh, well, we're definitely in a different stage of the pandemic now as compared to at the beginning. At the beginning, we really didn't know anything. We had no idea what the virus was. We didn't know uh, what it was going to do to people. We didn't know who was at risk. We didn't know how to protect ourselves. We didn't know how to treat it. Uh, but at this point, many of those questions are really well established. We basically have ridiculously safe and effective vaccines. We have treatments that are coming online that are quite effective. Um, we know much better how to prevent it. I mean, uh, at the beginning, we were you know, wiping down all of our groceries and doing all sorts of things that probably didn't make a whole lot of difference. But with an N95 mask that's well fitted, uh, you can protect yourself. Uh, so uh, basically at this point in the, in the pandemic, being at risk is pretty much voluntary yeah. for most people. Yeah. So when, when you think about being at, at risk as voluntary, what do you tell those patients that don't want to wear a mask or do not want to get vaccinated? Do you have any advice? At this point in the pandemic, again, uh, the other thing that is, has happened is that a lot of people are at much lower risk than they were at the beginning. So, uh, for example, someone who has had COVID-19 before and they have post-infection immunity or someone who has been fully vaccinated, particularly if they've been boosted, uh, their risk is quite low, and uh, I, th I think there is a reasonable argument to be made that uh, those people don't necessarily need to wear a mask in day-to-day -day life anymore. Whereas someone whose immune system is naive, particularly somebody who's at risk, at higher risk, like uh, someone with diabetes, someone who's older, someone with high blood pressure, et cetera, any of the commonly known risk factors for uh, hospitalization or death from COVID-19. Those people, if they are naive, meaning that their system has not been exposed to the virus or has not been exposed through the vaccine, their immune system is not ready to handle this yet and they face a significant risk of death or hospitalization. So I would certainly encourage anybody who is still naive to the virus to be extremely careful. Uh, but other people, I think there's a reasonable argument to be made that, that wearing masks under most circumstances is probably not needed anymore. Yeah, that, that goes to show that even some of these major states, they're lifting mask mandates already. States like, I believe, New York is, is pretty close, Florida, possibly California. So, I mean, states that used to be what we call epicenters for this stuff, like you said, they're thinking about lifting big mask mandates now. 
Well, I mean, at this point, again, uh, if you are aware of how to protect yourself, which most people hopefully are at this point, it's a choice. The, the need to force everyone to wear a mask is probably behind us. If it's not behind us right now, it's soon to be behind us. Going back to our discussion with the last question, we talk about the idea of risk and that some folks are lower risk after being vaccinated, after being boosted, after having antibodies from getting COVID. Define risk for us and define what that low risk threshold is. There's a big distinction between protection that you get from prior infection or from the vaccine and what you might get with some other viruses. For example, with the measles virus, having had it before leads to virtually 100% protection. Being vaccinated, a single shot is like 90%, two shots, 95%, three shots, 98%. The, those vaccines are incredibly, incredibly effective in terms of just completely preventing you from getting the disease at all. With COVID, it's very different. Getting vaccinated or having had prior infection, already having some immunity, gets you is that you are very, very, very much less likely to die and very much less likely to be hospitalized. But getting infected is still very, very common, even with people who are boosted, people who've had it before, people who've had it before and been vaccinated. So getting it again is still is still possible and quite common, but it is very different to face the risk of death that people face who have an a naive immune system, an immune system that's never been exposed to the virus, never been vaccinated, that person faces a much higher risk of dying or having to go to the hospital. So these infections are going to continue to happen. We definitely do not have a vaccine or anything that prevents getting infected at all. Preventing death, preventing hospitalization is definitely achievable with the vaccines. So what is your biggest challenge as an ER doctor now? Do you still have a lot of COVID patients or would you say the ER is somewhat back to normal? We're really seeing very much less patients with COVID right now, which is definitely very helpful. But unfortunately, right now, the healthcare system as a whole, not just the emergency department, is basically as dysfunctional as I've ever seen. It's more dysfunctional than I've ever seen. And I've never seen uh, a situation like we have today. And one example is that if somebody comes in with a hip fracture or something, gets fixed, and they're ready to go to rehab, what used to take 12 or 24 hours to get them a spot in rehab might take a week or two weeks. Because of that, those patients are staying in the hospital for much longer periods of time. And that's just one example of where we have just dire shortages of, of things that are really necessary to have a functioning system. Our nursing staff are all worn out after COVID and we're just wildly short-staffed. And so this is across the country right now. It's just very difficult to get people taken care of. We can't get people out of the hospital. And when people are, when people come to the hospital, we have just much more limited resources to take care of them. That's sad to hear. Yeah. So one of the burning questions is the idea of long COVID symptoms. And, and so have you treated any patients with long COVID symptoms? And if you don't mind, can you explain to our subscribers and audience, what is long COVID? Well, long COVID is probably less well understood than a lot of other aspects of the virus. And we're definitely still really learning a lot about it, but it's definitely a very common occurrence for people who 
uh, get COVID to have prolonged symptoms of tiredness, fatigue, often shortness of breath. Uh, there are a lot of people who have big problems with uh, actually being pulmonary cripples to the point where they're under consideration for uh, transplants. COVID has definitely got a, a lot of potential for a lot of lingering symptoms, particularly for people who are, again, naive to the virus, people who have not been vaccinated. Their immune system just isn't able to fight it off completely, and we, we have these, these prolonged symptoms. Uh, we don't see that as much in the emergency department. I certainly see people and have talked with people who have those problems, but they're not as much of an emergency problem as they are a problem with people getting back to work and people just getting back to enjoying their lives and living normal lives. Yeah, some of the just local folks in the community of COVID last year are still having difficulty with a sense of smell being a long COVID symptom. I know that's not an emergent reason to go to the emergency department, but it's just crazy that a lot of these folks have had those symptoms and, and they're still lingering. When should someone go to the ER instead of urgent care or instead of seeing their primary care physician? I don't know that there's a good uh, cut and dry answer for that. I think it's uh, it really depends on if you think this is something that could be immediately uh, life-threatening. Uh, people who are short of breath, people who are having chest pain, people who are having uh, issues with uh, potential stroke all certainly need to go to the emergency department. We certainly provide lots of services that are not really available in an urgent care, more complex lacerations, lots of injuries are not cared for in urgent care, primary care doctor's offices. So all those are reasons for sure to come to the emergency department. Yeah. So, well, wonderful. So from one of our subscribers, David, we actually had a question and it's a common burning question that anyone always thinks, even I, you know, subconsciously, I think people think it when they probably meet you is what is the craziest thing you've ever seen in the emergency room? Well, there are a lot of crazy things that happen in the emergency <laughs> department and it would be hard to, to pick one as being the most crazy, but there are some that are, that stick out in my mind for sure. All right, give an example, let's go. One of them was a gentleman who came in and complained of a headache and said that he had been outside working on a fort for his daughter and had been using a nail gun. He was crying and said that he had a very bad headache, but he also had a little bit of blood on his cheek. And talking to him, I asked him if he had ever used a nail gun before, and he said he was actually a framer and used them all the time, but I still, kind of wondered about what might have happened with this nail gun and why he had this this spot of blood on his face. So with this horrible headache, I did send him through the CT scanner and lo and behold, there was a framing nail that was right through his cheek and right beside his eyeball and right up into his brain. Wow. <laughs> and, wow. And <laughs> that, that is he incredible. was quite happy to find out. <laughs> That he was going to be okay, and we did get him taken care of, but it was, uh, it was. So it he was made impressive. it no effects to his vision, no effects to his brain, no. speech, anything like that. No, he was incredible. That was, that's a crazy story. That is. Thank you. And that concludes our today's episode about COVID and COVID in the emergency department. We thank you, David, for, for joining us and, and talking all things COVID with us. Again, we always encourage our subscribers to ask questions, comments below, please. We love to answer. Even for our guests, I'm sure they'd love to respond and interact with you guys. And that concludes another episode of Med Nation. Thank you guys for listening. Again, always like, comment, subscribe, and always give us suggestions, comments, questions, anything that you guys need. So we appreciate you guys listening. Mm -hmm.